As I mentioned, we'll be in Luke chapter 1. We'll get to the Luke chapter 1 here in just a moment. I was about 10 years old. It's the only time in my life that I can remember uh, this particular, uh, this particular um, uh, way of giving gifts has ever happened in my life. It was uh, Christmas Eve. I have a lot of fond memories as a child on Christmas Eve being with, uh, with my family and opening gifts. Like many of you have Christmas Eve traditions. Ours was we would go to my grandparents' house and uh, would have cousins and aunt and uncles and my grandparents there, of course. And, and part of the evening as a child that you would look forward to the most was the, was the opening of the presents on Christmas Eve. And uh, just like your family has their traditions, ours was we would go around one at a time and open gifts, which as a child was just painfully slow to open only one gift as everyone went around the circles. And what, and what I remember about this particular Christmas Eve is this, it became my turn after I don't know how many turns opening different gifts, but it became my turn, and I've never had this happen before. I had people leave the room, and they said, hold on, hold on, we're going to go get your gift. I've never had anyone leave the room to go get a gift and I thought, what is it? I'm only 10, but is it a car? I mean, what is it that, they could be go, they, they, that they're going to go get for me? And I remember vividly as a 10-year-old, all those years ago in my grandparents' living room, as, as, they were, as I was being told, one second, we're going to go get your gift, leaving the room, and that feeling of anticipation for what was to come. It, it, it probably was only just a few seconds that my, that my grandparents left the room to go get the gift, but it felt like forever as a 10-year-old. And all the things are running through my mind, the anticipation of what could this be? What was coming my way? What was it? Was it, it what, I mean, and you know how your imagination kind of takes off as you anticipate something? Well, as I was sitting there waiting in anticipation for what felt like an eternity, but was probably only a few seconds, my grandparents brought out this exact gift as a 10-year-old. Let me get it for you. My, parent, my grandparents bring out this. A stadium seat. Now, this is an uh, actual, I don't have the back leg, so I have to hold it up, but an actual stadium seat from old Arlington Stadium, where I grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth, and the Texas Rangers' original home was. That year, that stadium closed down, and they were going to tear it down, and my grandparents bought stadium seats from the actual Arlington Stadium. And so as I'm anticipating, I never once anticipated that they were going to bring out a stadium seat to me. Now, as a 10-year-old, I, I was thankful for the seat because I, even at that age, I was already a big Texas Ranger fan. I already knew the significance of the seats with the stadium closing down and all that stuff. But as I've gotten older, the more and the older I've gotten, the more I appreciate this particular gift because it shares a lot of memories. Now, I don't think this was the exact seat that I used to sit in or my grandparents used to sit in. Where should I set this for a while? I'll, well, that's going to be in the way. I'll set it here. I don't, uh, I would lift it up, but I, like I said, I don't have the back legs. It used to be bolted in the concrete, and I don't have that at my house. Um, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated this gift because of the memories that it shares, right? It was a gift that I didn't know I wanted. And I think in a lot of ways, as we get into this particular season of, of, of the year, 
we begin to look and anticipate what is to come. And for many of us, no matter our age, we anticipate certain things coming along. Maybe the older we get, maybe it's less about the gifts we give, and maybe it's more about the time off we have, or maybe it's more about the time with family that we anticipate. But we all begin to anticipate in many ways. And what happens is, is when we begin to anticipate, I'm I'm guessing here that if we could go through the room, I bet most of us would say that the things that we got, that we have received in the past, the things we weren't anticipating were the things that have blessed us or the things we covet the most, the things we treasure and hold on to the most. I didn't know that I wanted an old stadium seat. But as the older older I get, the more I am thankful that I have this, this relic, that I have this piece of memorabilia, because it reminds me of tradition and family. It reminds me of games. It reminds me of being with my family and my grandparents. It was a gift that I was not intending to anticipate, but a gift that I got nonetheless. And we enter into this season of gifts, which every year we enter into. A season of giving, a season of receiving, a season of 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 looking towards and anticipating many different things. It's also a season called Advent. The season of Advent, which uh, is a season that the uh, that the Christian community, the Christian churches, in a larger scale, uh, uh, pay attention to in a, in a larger way. One that the churches of Christ really haven't held on to traditionally, but it's a season of Advent, which is a scriptural word. It's a biblical word that is found in, in several different places. Uh, three, uh, depending on the tense that I found in particular, uh, I'll just uh, rattle those off real quick. Acts 7.52, 1 Peter 3.18, Revelation 4.1. And it's a word that simply means the coming. But if you want to be more direct about that, it's about the coming of the owner. Advent anticipates the coming of the owner. It anticipates the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, the baby Jesus. Advent is a season of anticipation. And for many of us, and those who may not even have that relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a season of anticipation for something you don't even know you need or want in your life. And for us, who are here on a Sunday morning in a worship setting, and whatever may have brought you to this place at this time, we anticipate something or someone that is going to be treasured in our lives. In some form or some fashion, whatever that really, however you may even describe your relationship with Jesus Christ, you anticipate something this season. And the gift of Christ, the gift of God, the gift of Emmanuel is upon us. And in Advent, we anticipate the coming of the owner. Because this is the time of year that we not only celebrate, but we recognize the truth and the reality, the life-changing reality, that we are in this moment of anticipation for the birth of our God. And that's what we will explore over the next four Sundays. This season of anticipation. The anticipation for the life that is coming in the baby Jesus in the manger. We're going to explore the anticipation through different people in the birth and the Christmas story. 
This season of gifts, this season of Christ is a time of year where joy is enhanced, giving is increased, compassion is a little easier to access. And sometimes we may even say, well, this is not even a, a, a perfect season. We may, even, we may even push back against this idea that the church ought to be involved in Christmas. But the world is paying attention to something. Shouldn't we be the people who show them what they ought to be anticipating? Life-changing giving of Jesus everlasting. It's not a God who says, let me give you something. It is a God who says, let me give you who I am. Through the birth of his, his son, Jesus, in the manger, we anticipate not a gift, we anticipate the gift of his presence this time of year. We don't anticipate the gifts under a tree, we anticipate the life in a manger. It is anticipation of what is to come. And I want to introduce this idea this morning through Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now, I had originally, um, for weeks, anticipated uh, exploring Mary and Joseph this morning, the parents of Jesus. This morning, uh, we're only going to, uh, um, to be respectful of your time, we're only going to pay attention to Mary this morning in Luke chapter 1. Okay? This is not me saying, well, the dad doesn't count. Okay? It's me saying, you don't want to be here all day. Okay? So we will explore Mary in Luke chapter 1. And let's begin as we point out this idea of anticipation. Luke 1 verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, which is a way of saying in the middle of nowhere, to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now let's stop there for just a second. I'm not going to do this uh, every verse or every couple of verses, but I think the first couple of verses of this particular section of Luke chapter 1 is worth pointing out because verse 26 and 27 give a lot of context. Okay? There is a couple to be married. There's an engaged couple, Mary and Joseph. And what Scripture tells us is, is that an angel is showing up on the scene, but what we find out is the angel showing up on the scene to a young woman who's anticipating life with her future husband, Joseph. A young married couple. I remember what that was like. Uh, uh, being engaged and anticipating life with Laura in the future. All the dreams, right? All the things you imagine and hope for in your married life. Remember that anticipation? Maybe you've anticipated that, whether it's in sport. Maybe you've anticipated that. Maybe that was in a work environment or in family environments. But you had this feeling of anticipation which you, where you don't know what's coming next. But you know something is coming. And in this situation, you're engaged to a man. And you know life is going to change because you're going to be married you're going, to, you're going to have a husband and you begin to plan and to dream and to think about what's next and what could be, right? What would life be like with your spouse? What are all the things you will accomplish? You begin to anticipate and imagine a future together. This is where the angel shows up in the life of, of, of a young Mary. He shows up into a life of a young woman who's engaged to be married, who's anticipating and imagining and preparing for life with her future husband. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord 
is with you. Let's stop there. Now, I, I promise we're not going to do this. The next time I'm going to read a big chunk of the, the rest of the story, but I think this is also important because the young Mary's anticipating life. And it's important for us, as Mary is about to find out, to recognize that when God or His angels show up, life changes. Right? The anticipation that is in the moment of life with her husband and what that may mean for her and what she dreams of what that could mean for her and her future family and all these different things is now interrupted with what we might say may be very innocent words. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Perhaps may be the most dangerous words that could ever be spoken in your life. The Lord is with you. Now, Gabriel, the angel, means it in the most positive senses, but what, is, what Gabriel is doing is beginning to show Mary that what you anticipated in life is about to change. Why? Why is it about to change? I'm, a, I'm an engaged woman. I'm about to be married to my husband. I have dreams. We have hopes. We've talked about our future together. Why does it have to change? Because the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you is a way for the angel to say that God has now entered into the story. And if you think your story is going to continue as is with the presence of God, you are not paying attention to God. God moves in people's lives. God often pushes people into directions in their life that they never once anticipated and the anticipation of life together, Joseph and Mary, is now altered. It's changed. It's reframed. Excuse me. It's reframed by this simple phrase, the Lord is with you. The angel begins to reframe anticipation. Anticipation reframed, I think, is an important aspect of the Christmas story. Because what you are anticipating here at the end of the month is reframed through the reality and the truth that God is with us. That the Lord is with you. Anticipation is reframed. And let's see how it's reframed. Now let's pick up Luke chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 29. I'm going to read all the way through verse 38, the end of this particular pericope here in Luke chapter 1. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She's, she's in tune and she's a smart young woman. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Verse 35, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. 
I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I can remember uh, the, ab- uh, the exact moment Laura told me she was pregnant with Reese. I was at camp. I was a youth minister at the time. We were sitting on a golf cart. Laura sits down in the golf cart. I guess we were between schedules or activities, and I was sitting there for a moment, and my wife, my, uh, my wife came to visit camp. I don't think she was there that week, and she sat down on the golf cart, and she goes, she goes I'm pregnant. And this is my exact re- response, word for word, how did that happen? Okay. Because everything you anticipated and thought was going to happen is changed forever with the reality of a baby. And it's like the old 90s PSA commercial, a baby changes everything. Okay? It does. It changes it all. And God intentionally with purpose, comes into this young woman's life who's engaged to be married, a virgin, and says, now you're going to have a baby now. God intentionally goes all out of order because now what is God doing? God is present and He is active and He is reframing the anticipation of life because that's what God does. The things we think we want under the tree are not the things that we need in our lives. The things that we need in our life is the presence of a God with us every day. Not the material possessions of something under a tree. It is the presence of a God in our lives every single day. God is reframing and He is saying a baby is coming and this baby is going to change not only your life and Joseph's life, you're now going to be reframing your anticipation for what life is going to look like. The world will now begin to reframe their anticipation of what is to come. That this baby, that this child to be born is going to usher in a kingdom that will last forever. For the Jewish people, it is a way of saying that David's throne will once again reign over his people, but in a bigger and larger context, it is the angel coming in to proclaim the truth that this baby is going to reframe what we believe and what we think we ought to need because here this child is now going to give us something that we never anticipated before. Like a stadium chair as a 10-year-old, you didn't know you wanted or needed Here is something that you need. The presence, everlasting presence of God Himself in your very life. Through the baby and through the child that is to come through this woman named Mary. Life is now reframed. For Mary, this baby was changing absolutely everything. God, once again, chooses to go out of order to reframe that anticipation. This isn't new in Scripture, is it? I mean, this, if there's a theme of God from Genesis to Revelation, one of the easy, low-hanging fruit themes of God is He's going to reframe our anticipation. He's going to change things up. The Israelites... They're coming out of slavery in Egypt. And when they go into the desert, the Israelites believe, as God has promised, they're going to go into the promised land. But what happens first? He reframes their anticipation. Forty years in the desert. 
God's not delaying or changing the promise. God is reframing their anticipation of what is to come. We see this all throughout Scripture. A couple of New Testament examples of this idea very quickly. Matthew chapter 5, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Jesus gives six examples. And in each of these six examples, Jesus says, you've heard it was said, and He gives an example. But He goes on to reframe the anticipation. You've heard it was said, this is the world acceptance, this is how we tend to live in society, but I'm telling you, Jesus reframes anticipation of what is to come. The Sermon on the Mount in many great ways, and in particular this Matthew 5 passage, is about Jesus reframing what the kingdom looks like. He's he's taking away material borders, physical borders, and he's ushering in spiritual borders that that are beginning and ending with him, with the Savior, the God who came to be with us. He's reframing what it means. You've heard it was said, do not murder, but I tell you, do not be angry. He's reframing what we ought to anticipate. Paul does the same thing. Colossians 3, the entire book of Colossians really is one of the, is one of the more poignant examples of this, but Colossians 3 is, is, is a very good example to make here. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, set your heart on things above. Set your mind on things above, he goes on to say. Verse 5, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Verse 12, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What is Paul doing? Through his entire letter and here in Colossians chapter 3, he's reframing life of Jesus Christ. That Christ in your life requires a reframing of what you anticipate. You now need to be people who set your hearts and minds on things above. You do that by putting to death the ways and the and, and the whatever the earthly ways of this of of nature, and you do this ultimately by clothing yourself. We might even say fruit of the spirit, right? The ideas of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness. He's reframing what it means to be a Christ follower to the church. And what we anticipate to come has to be changed entirely when we begin to see God's presence in our lives, that God has come to be with us. And we see that in Christmas. I love how Matthew chapter 1, Matthew's gospel tells the story of of Christmas, the, the coming of Jesus through birth. Just a couple of verses from Matthew this morning. Matthew 1, verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. Quoting Isaiah now. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's this idea that now things are changed. And what we anticipate is now reframed because the reality is God is with us. Christmas. Christmas is a season that anticipates a new hope. Christmas is a season that welcomes something new and different. And at times, we can't fully realize what God is giving us, but we know that God is giving us something more than the material possessions of gifts wrapped under a tree. He's giving us the presence of hope that comes through the baby In the manger, Christmas anticipates this new hope. Now, um, 
like you, some of you right now are going through what I went through earlier in the week. Is that when I wrote this sentence out in my little notebook and then I put it on this slide, I realized I couldn't stop thinking about Star Wars A New Hope. It was obvious to me and has bothered me all week, so I thought I would just address it for a moment. Christmas anticipates a new hope. Now, see, when Star Wars, the original, A New Hope, comes out, when the, uh, the, the movies were coming out, there was not much anticipation with that first one. But what it did was, it became the highest grossing box office movie very quickly, and became one of the most successful franchises of all, and people truly anticipate what is to come. But see, we have something more than just being look, looking forward to a good story. You see, Christmas and Luke chapter 1, and this, this presence of, of God in Mary's life is more than just the story that we get to embrace this season. You see, we have something more than a frustrated young man who's got to rally the rebellion against the empire with a force that he's yet to discover. Now, we have a God. We don't have a servant of the God. We don't have Gabriel in human flesh. We have God in human flesh. And the hope that we anticipate is more than someone who's coming in to help us. We anticipate God Himself in our very lives. It's not a hope that we can overcome the empire. It is the hope that comes through the most unlikely things in the world, which is exactly what happens in Luke chapter 1. Yes, you're married, and yes, you're engaged, or you are engaged to be married, and you haven't gotten there quite yet, but I'm going to do things a little bit different because I'm going to reframe what you anticipate in life. Hope is going to look different. It's going to function different in your life. And it's not going to come through a battle or through a star war. It's not going to come through a lightsaber. It's going to come through something you wouldn't expect. Just like you wouldn't expect an engaged virgin to be pregnant now through the Holy Spirit of God with the, with the Messiah for the kingdom to come, you wouldn't expect the King of Kings to be born in a manger. That's a new hope. That's what we anticipate. And this child to be born in a barn with animals all around is going to be the one who gives us what we most desperately need this very day. Life everlasting because God is present in our lives. That's the hope. What we anticipate and what we think is thrown out. It's reframed. It's restructured. A new perspective and a new life is given this time of year. And I love, I love Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. See, she recognizes that this is a new hope. This is something new and different. And I, I cannot but help imagine how terrified Mary must be, even in the presence of God's angel. She's got to be scared out of her mind. She's engaged to be married and just told that she's now going to be carrying a baby before marriage. 
She must be terrified for what this means to her relationship with jo Joseph, her parents, her community, what this must mean for those uh, around her, and what this means for all those things she anticipated before. And if you are not scared for what God is going to do in your life, then you're not paying attention to God because He comes in and He reframes. That new hope is a hope that you and I have never experienced through anything or anyone other than the God who came to be with us in Jesus Christ. And Mary, even in her scared moment, even in this moment of has to be fear and uncertainty, this moment where God is now beginning to reframe her anticipation, Luke chapter 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. How many of us are ready to say that today? How many of us are ready when God shows up into our lives in the most unexpected ways and He says, ah, what you were anticipating, that's cute, but I got something else for you. How many of us are willing and ready today to say, I am the Lord's servant how many of us can take a page or a cue from this young woman whose life is now completely thrown into chaos, into a new trajectory, into a new place, and is willing to say this very day, I am the Lord's servant. Because when you say that, and you mean it, and you're ready for it, then you better be ready for this new kind of hope, because you're going to go in places that you never anticipated before. Why? Because Jesus was born in a manger. David Kern, one of our shepherds, is going to make himself available in the back. I'll make myself available in the front for the singing of one last song in this place this morning. This is an invitation, it's an invitation to respond to God's Word. Don't respond to me. Don't respond to anything except what God is preaching and sharing into your heart this very moment. Most of you are going to stay right where you are, if not all of you, and that's perfectly okay. But I'm inviting you to respond to God's Word. Will you be willing in this moment, through this song, in this place, are you willing to say, I am the Lord's servant? Let this church, let this family, let this community be together as we move forward into a new hope, into a future where Jesus is with us. Let's stand together and let's sing.